Before we get into this week's episode of the UNI podcast, we think it's important to address what's happening in Nigeria. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS, was put in place to protect civilians from armed robbers. Instead, they extort, harass, attack, and kill innocent youth. What can you do? You can use your voice on social media to inform the world about what's happening in Nigeria. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the UNI podcast. And thank you for joining us as we close out our first file of season two, Creatives. This file is honestly one of my favorites because it's filled with amazing female creatives of Bahamian heritage who are sharing an abundance of wisdom. This week, we have Lauren Knowles, a journalism student based in Toronto, Canada, a creative and storyteller at heart who's passionate about sharing stories of underrepresented voices. Here's our conversation with Lauren. The UNI podcast promotes love, happiness, and abundance. Through storytelling and sisterhood, they encourage self-love, a balanced worth ethic, and a healthy life. This is Ozzy and Caro, and thank you so much for listening to the UNI podcast. if you know this but you are our last creative on the creative file and we thought it'd be amazing the best way to close you out you've been doing amazing things we've been seeing you your instagram is fire by the way um so we just thought you'd be perfect to help us close out this file so our first question for you is please talk to us about your story and how have you felt led to where you are now um, okay, so I guess I'll do a little bit of an introduction just in case some people might be confused about who I am or, or what I do. So right now I'm in my last year as a fashion journalism student and I was born in the Bahamas. Um, I think what really led me here to you know being interested in writing and fashion was just um, being surrounded by very creative people, um, very artsy people. I think that my family, I feel like there's two types of people, unless you're really lucky and you're both. There's people who are good at math and there's people who are good at English and like arts. So my family's always been pretty artsy. Um, my sister had her own magazine, so I felt like, you know, me going into journalism and fashion was just something that was kind of inevitable. And so when I was in grade 12, I figured, you know, I really like fashion, I really like writing and photography and journalism is just kind of the perfect mix of all of those things. So now here we are. How has growing up in the Bahamas and in Toronto shaped your journey creatively? Uh, I feel like the biggest thing is that I have a kind of like a variety of life experiences and just different cultural experiences that... I wouldn't have had if I was just born in Toronto, even though it's like pretty diverse and there's a big Caribbean culture here. I think that growing up in the Bahamas and living there until I was 15 really, you know, gave me a fresh perspective creatively because of like the culture down there and how it differs to here. And um, yeah, so I, I think I kind of had the best of, of both worlds, living in Toronto and then living in the Bahamas as well. And you talk about you previously talked about like you doing journalism and your love for fashion and I was just wondering when it comes to your creative your creativity and how you express yourself what are you passionate about specifically um 
I think kind of the shallow answer for that would just be like expressing myself and just you know using creativity as a platform to kind of express how I'm feeling or what my mood is or what my vibe is that day but I also think specifically I mean well actually in journalism and fashion but I think that it's important to kind of use my my platform for things beyond surface levels so uh, my journalism in the stories that I write and things like that for school um, I really try to find angles that you know highlight diversity and inclusivity and kind of give like a voice to people that don't necessarily have one um, I don't know Karenique you might know Jamie Bruce um, the photographer from Nassau I did a, I love Jamie I know me too he's actually so sweet I love him so much I did um, yeah I did a story on him was that a year ago yeah about a year ago you know just highlighting creatives in the Caribbean and things like that or I'm currently working on a story following up on you know how the fashion industry has reacted to the world um, post George Floyd and things like that so I think it's I'm passionate about just expressing myself but also doing that with meaning and purpose and kind of you know giving a voice to people and and you know representing black women and people of color and everything like that what brought you to uncovering this passion honestly I think it's kind of been an innate sort of thing where I've always wanted to do the things that I'm doing um when I was little I would like write my own stories and make my own like covers and take my own pictures and everything like that so I think that it's always been something that I'm passionate about, you know, being creative and being interested in fashion. But I think that the state of the world recently has really pushed, you know, the idea that I want to have meaning in what I'm doing as well. You said that you're a creative from when you were a child and well, like just from when you were young. And we only really spent about like two years together. That's when I first came to St. Andrews. But you were... I remember we had like one science project and it was actually we had like the first time we can actually do whatever we kind of wanted to in science and make our own stories and you kind of like your story was actually really funny you like based it off of our teacher and it was just like kind of funny how you did like a play with words with their name yeah and all that no I feel like yeah like even like in school whenever I have an opportunity to kind of just be creative and do something that's different I mean, that's just a prime example. I think that's just something that I've always done. Like, I don't think I've, you know, learned how to do that or um, grown into it. I think it's just kind of always been there. So <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I've always had this question, but I was looking at your August Revolt and I was wondering if, like, how would you describe it? What is a mood board and like, what do people use it for? Because I've always been confused. I see it around and I just don't know if it's, just let me I want to know what you think yeah okay so I feel like I mean I'm sure a lot of industries use mood boards to kind of you know it's kind of like um like a spider web of your ideas on on a page so you can really get a sense of what you what you're working on and what you want to do so specifically in the fashion industry they'll you know use uh, mood boards for like editorials and stuff to kind of catch the vibe see what kind of for example, like if you're doing a shoot, like what kind of tones are we working with? What's what's the mood? Like what's the vibe that, that we're going for? Um, but for me, August Revolt is kind of 
um, like an expression of myself. It's just kind of a culmination, a culmination of images that inspire me, that I like, that I think look good together overall. And yeah, it's just, I don't know if you guys used Tumblr back in the day, but it's like my modern Tumblr oh my kind God. of. <laughs> Yes. I love Tumblr. Yeah, right? They need to we bring that to back. We spend time. We used to spend time in IT. Just no, for real. We literally were in there <laughs> doing the coding, doing the themes, yeah. like all that shit. It was so fun. But you say that August Revolt is your rebellion against the current beauty standards in fashion, in the fashion community. What do you think needs to be changed and how can that change happen? So I think anybody who uses Instagram can kind of tell that there's a very specific sort of look for an influencer or or just anybody who you know posts kind of or posts fashion images and it's very eurocentric like there's very i mean there's one kind of one specific look you know like blue eyes blonde hair you know caucasian like that's kind of what what the standard is and so many people's favorite influencers kind of have that look and I feel like for a lot of people or for younger people, it might seem like that's the only way to, you know, gain a following on Instagram. So in order to change that, what I'm trying to do with August Revolt is kind of shift that, oops, sorry, <laughs> trying to shift that, that standard of beauty. And even in my, my own feed, just kind of trying to carve out a new sort of path you know, in this whole influencer, Instagram, whatever, fashion industry, and just, you know, kind of steer away from what fashion is always considered, like, successful or beautiful or any of those kinds of things. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I guess because of um, George Floyd and the whole, I guess, us being in quarantine and really taking the time to reflect, but we've been seeing a, a massive change in the fashion industry on social media too when it comes to highlighting inclusivity as you talk about. So I was just wondering, has this quarantine COVID situation taught you anything about the fashion community? Yeah, for sure. I think that it's really shown how adaptable and creative we all are. You know, this really came out of nowhere, the, the pandemic and then the unfortunate death of George Floyd. So I feel like we've had to do a lot of adjusting and adapting to sort of, you know, fit into this new lifestyle that we all have coping with all of those things. And I feel like even with like fashion, specifically design, um, it's really shown how interwoven fashion can be with politics and world events. I know that on several of the runways this, this past um, fashion month, there's been a lot of, you know, masks on the runways and political statements and some of the outfits and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's just shown how adaptable the, um, the fashion industry is and how what's going on in the world really affects the fashion industry and what we wear and what we put out as creatives. I think it's, I think it's crazy how... I always see this around where people say black, black women are the people who are the trendsetters and pe they're the ones who always start the trends, but it's just uh, crazy like we are because it is, it's shown, it's evidence. That's what we do, period. I love that. And I think it's, I love this time because we're finally getting the attention that we deserve, that we should have had from the beginning. We're finally getting... You know, we're getting opportunities now that we should have been getting, honestly, from the beginning. So 
it's really, I, this was just, I'm just so happy that although it, I, I, I'm sad that it came out through these circumstances, but that good things do come out of, you know, bad situations. Yeah, no, it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse. I think that we've all been just angry and, and fed up for so long. And like you said, uh, the circumstances for all of this to come out are unfortunate, but, you know, I think we're coming out of it empowered and, and ready to be heard. And I think finally we're starting to actually be heard. I was wondering what you think. I know a lot of people talk about... Um, performative inclusivity. I don't know if you've heard that, where these big industries, these big um, businesses and brands, for, for a couple months or for a couple weeks, they're talking about this. They're highlighting inclusivity. But like on Instagram, the feed continues. You know, they keep doing what they're doing. So I was just wondering what you thought about that. Do you see that happening or do you actually think that this could be a, a permanent change? No, I definitely think there's quite a, a lot of performative posts and, you know, statements being made just to make sure that, you know, they're not going to be included in, like, you know, the next cancel culture kind of target. So, um, yeah, I, I think that since it's been a few months, it's going to start to become more apparent who's really, you know, practicing what they've been preaching. and. I'm working on a story right now, actually, about this kind of thing um, for one of my journalism classes. But yeah, I feel like only now can we really tell who's about what what they say that they're about. And um, yeah, I think you know it was kind of hard to tell when everything was going on who who was real and and who wasn't. But I think that you know even if we do start to see that some brands have kind of been performative in their actions, I think there's such a strong band of people who will come after them and call them out which I think is great and and what needs to happen so you know hopefully they're learning their lesson and they keep up with the promises that they've that they've made what's your what's your thoughts on cancel culture I want to know what you think you know what I feel like some people need to be canceled I think it's kind of about like who who they've always been and and what the buildup is that's led to you know the latest incident or whatever I think it really depends on the person because I think that I mean everybody makes mistakes and I think that that's something in you know in the whole social media kind of world that that can happen I think it's I don't know I'm really on the fence it's kind of like maybe a case-by-case basis where certain people are just terrible people they're shitty people and they need to be canceled and then some people make honest mistakes oh oh my god i'm thinking of so many people right now what do you guys think because i feel like i'm on the fence i think it's a really interesting one i think i don't know i've noticed how a lot of politicians use are so against console culture but i honestly agree with you i think you need to be some people need to be canceled in order to learn their lesson but I don't think, when I say cancel culture, I'm not saying that you're canceled, like you're erased from the world, go live under a rock, we hate you. It's more so of, we see what you're doing, it's wrong, you need to change it or we're just, we're gonna, you're going to get left behind. I think, I think that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense, for sure. What about you, Kara? What do you think? I'm kind of, I agree exactly with you said, like, we see what you're doing if it's like especially if it's like something that's very awful you need to like reconsider it we don't really want you to like completely like just disappear and like jump off the face of the earth but 
Okay, just um, go back and kind of work on yourself. And when you come back, just like make sure that your comeback's a lot better than whatever you were putting out before. I think what I think the beauty of cancel culture is that it's not necessarily canceling you, it's canceling your actions, like canceling the mindset you have and how we've been complacent for so long just letting you do whatever you're doing and just, you know, we mind our business, we let you do whatever you're doing, but now you you're going to like you can't just be doing that anymore. That's I think that's how I see it. Okay, so heading more into like the fashion side of your creativity, I just wanted to know what influenced your style, your fashion, and your makeup. Um, I feel like something that a lot of people don't know or wouldn't really be able to tell about me now from my Instagram that like didn't go to high school with me or maybe not even in high school um, is that, well, I'll just start by describing what I think my style currently is. Um, I feel like it's very kind of street style and elegantly edgy in in a way. I feel like sometimes I just want to wear my boyfriend's clothes and kind of dress more, um, you know, street, kind of baggy and and laid back. And then sometimes I want to dress more feminine, but I'll still wear like black or like darker colors and things like that. So I feel like that kind of stems from the fact that for quite a while when I was younger I lived mostly with my dad and on my dad's side of the family all of my cousins there's six of them they're boys and so just growing up I was always really into sports I played a lot of sports and I feel like I when I was younger had even though like you know I liked fashion and things like that I feel like I had kind of a tom not a tomboy phase but I just really even though I liked fashion, I w- my, my sense of style was never, like, super pink or super girly, like, that kind of thing. So I feel like that has kind of stuck with me, even though I've, you know, started to kind of incorporate more, like, I was going to say color, but that, realistically, that does not happen. But just, like... Honestly, saying color <laughs> is not in my vocabulary. No, literally, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I've recently kind of gone into more, like, feminine mm-hmm. kind of like looks and things like that but yeah I feel like there's always gonna be like a bit of an edge or like a darkness to my makeup and my fashion for that reason I don't know I've just never been like super super into like pink or like glitter or sparkles I don't know I feel like that's just how I've always been since I was little Carol what about you has your have you changed when it comes to your colors has my colors changed? I don't know. My colors are... I still don't... I don't have a style, guys. My style really is look in my drawer and kind of put it on. I'm trying to work on that. It's just really hard. That's why whenever we have someone that does fashion or has, like, a really nice style on our podcast, I'm just like, how do you do it? What influences you? Like, help. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, I think another thing that I really like to do is, like, go on Pinterest or... or just actually more so than that look at celebrities like I really like Rihanna Street Style and Zoe Kravitz like they're two major influences I just I like how they have such a like a a laid-back street kind of vibe but they also look you know feminine and put together at the same time so I feel like that's something that I really strive for so yeah I would just look at whatever celebrities that you like you know whatever you're feeling that day just go for it (laughs) 
Honestly, no pressure, Kara. No pressure. But before I kind of go into the next question, I just need everybody to know that Lauren was featured on Vogue. Okay? I just need everybody to just know that. I need everybody to just sit and just think about that and just, I need you to know. Thank you. Thank you. But speaking of Vogue, how did your feature in Vogue Italia come about and what did it teach you about your journey and where you're going next? Um, okay, so I guess I'll start with the fact that it really came out of nowhere. I think it was the beginning of last year or I think Christmas in like 2018 or something. My dad got me um, a film camera and I just, you know, I was, I think that both of the pictures that are actually on my like Vogue Italia profile were actually from one of the first few roles that I used of that film. And so Vogue Italia has this, I don't really know what to call it, like this thing that they do called Photo Vogue where you, you know, apply for it and you are listed as a photographer and you can um, upload, I think it's like two pictures certain days of the week between certain hours and they have a whole team that goes through these pictures every day and then they select a few and... I really wasn't expecting for my pictures to get approved and to be uploaded, but they were. And so that was crazy because I was like, oh my God, this is like nuts. Like I've always been interested in photography. I was going to do that as my major um, in school actually, but then I changed my mind. Um, But I was like my first time shooting film and I was just so excited because it was such a different look. And then I really, I'm just like proud of the pictures that are, that are on there on my profile. Um, so yeah, I don't even really remember how I came across it, but I just knew that that photo Vogue platform existed and I was like, I know how many pictures they get. I know that I've tried before and they haven't accepted my pictures, but I'm just going to try and see how these ones go. And then, and then it worked and there they are. (laughs) And then how did that kind of set you up for the future? What did, how did your mindset change? How did anything change? Yeah, I definitely... I think that really taught me how, you know, the internet and the world of social media, like, you really are in control of what you want to achieve. Like, you can really put yourself out there and become anything and and do anything. Like, in high school, I never would have thought that there would even be, like, a shot that at that age I would have, like, my pictures on on Bogatelia. But you can, it's all there. Like, everything's accessible for you to go and kind of, make yourself into whatever you want to so I feel like that just kind of opened the door to a lot of opportunities and showed me that I can really go after anything no matter how unattainable it seems well first first role of your film camera (laughs) maybe it might have been it might have don't hold me to that it might have been the second role but it was one of those (laughs) anyways the first the first two at least yeah yeah that was crazy but um, my question kind of goes towards your work on The Good Squad. I want to know what kind of led you to Good American and what has it been like being a member of The Good Squad? Yeah, so kind of similarly to the whole Vogue Italia thing, that really was not something I ever thought about or, or I wasn't even... The thing is, like, I was never really looking to get into that like whole modeling thing. Like, I know that I like taking pictures of myself when I'm in control of it, but I had never really thought, 
ooh, it's like a dream of mine to kind of be a model. So Good American actually came to me through an email. I mean, they didn't email me directly, but I got an email um, from them saying that they were having a casting at the Eaton Center, which is like a mall in Toronto. And I don't even, the, the crazy, huh? I love that mall. Yeah, right? <laughs> the crazy thing is that... I love Toronto. I, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> um, like, I don't even remember how the email came to me. Like, I don't know, I must have been, like, subscribed to their newsletters or something, but it felt like, kind of like a fate sort of thing when I got the email, because I think I was in Nassau, actually, and I just happened to be coming back, like, right before the casting, and it wasn't anything I'd ever thought of doing before, but I was like, you know what, this feels kind of like a sign that I got this email. So the worst that can happen is that I go and then nothing comes out of it. So um, I went. That that email literally led me to the mall <laughs> that day and I, and I did the casting. And then I think it was maybe maybe a month later or like three weeks later, I totally forgot about it and I was at dinner. And actually, no, I think I was on the streetcar. Like, I just randomly was checking my email and I got it. And they were like, okay, we're doing this shoot in LA next week. Are you available? And I was like, um, absolutely. Like, I will literally drop everything to go to this shoot. So, yeah, but since then, it's been incredible. Like, it's honestly still surreal. Whenever I see my pictures, like, in the newsletters or on Instagram or on the site, like, I can't even just believe it like I'm still I don't think I'll ever really be over it but it's really opened so many doors for me like going forward um with what I want to do so many things that I can't talk about as yet but just really exciting things that have come out of it and I'm just so grateful for that experience because I don't know I feel like that's like just like the Vogue Italia thing it really proves that that you know, the opportunity is out there and that you can go after it. I always love when people say they can't talk about the project that they're working on. Oh it's my just, God, I hate... I just, the I just, thing I just is, get so happy. The thing is, I literally hate, like, if I'm watching a YouTuber and they say that, I'm like, well, what the, like, what the hell, why are you saying that? Like, I want to I wanna know now. Like, I want you to tell me right now. big things are coming. But, I love it. Yeah, no, like, genuinely if I could say I would say but I can't say but it is exciting so yeah we'll have you on soon later yes yes (laughs) but I was kind of wanting to know you talk about how these things kind of happen not really random but they happen unexpected right so I was wondering how do you constantly create what motivates you and where do you draw your inspiration seeing as how a lot of the amazing things you do kind of come not out of the whim, but they kind of, they come unexpectedly. Yeah, I feel like this is probably the most, like, Leo answer ever to this question, but I feel like looking back on what I've done so far and seeing the things that I, like, <laughs> that I can achieve just pushes me further and makes me think, like, okay, well, if I've done this already, then going forward, what's stopping me from doing this? You know what I mean? So I think it's just, I think it's really positive and healthy to kind of be proud of yourself and look at your own achievements and be like okay yeah like I did that and like here's what I want to do now and I can do it um where do I draw inspiration I feel like lately I've really been inspired by world worldly events that I really want to kind of channel those things in in the work that I do but yeah I think that you ultimately have to be your own like inspiration and that's really the best way to do it for me at least 
Well, I'm kind of getting excited now. We just want to like talk more about your future now and kind of like reflecting on your past. You won't have to tell us about your things that you can't talk about. Yeah, whatever is know, whatever like, secret, what, the secret projects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we want to know what you're working towards um, and where do you see all of your moves and accomplishments building towards in the future? Um, I think the exciting thing about all of this is that I don't, I mean, I have like goals here and there, but already I've kind of seen that so many things have come out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting. So I think that's probably the most exciting part and kind of something that a lot of people, myself included, can find pretty scary is like, oh, I have no idea where this is going to go. But it's also, you know, really exciting to, to not know what's going to happen, but just know that you know, big things or good things are coming. Um, but yeah, it, ultimately I just, I think like I started with my Instagram, I've just always had this idea of like really branding myself. So I guess in the simplest form, that's the plan for the future is just to continue um, doing that and seeing where that takes me. Cause honestly, like I don't really know, but I'm just excited to see what's gonna happen. And what advice do you have for girls who look at your page and believe that your accomplishments are out of reach? Um, I feel like, if anything, looking at my page should show that, that you know, anything that they want to achieve or anything that I've accomplished is actually within reach. Because I don't really think, actually, there's nothing that sets me apart from any other girl or anybody who's, like, looking at my Instagram. Like, I would never be like, you know... I'm all the way up here and to get where I am like here's what you need to do like anybody can do what I've did and and more so I feel like that should be kind of comforting actually knowing that you know like I'm just a 21 year old like university student from the Bahamas like I think that anybody can can do anything and I'm just working towards you know doing that myself words of wisdom okay <laughs> I just also want to know um what is the most important thing you've learned on your journey thus far? I think, I think I've talked about this here and there so far um, in this episode, but I really think that it's important to kind of, you know, be creative and have a really nice Instagram feed and do all of these things, but I think that with the, the platform that comes with it, you really need to, you know, use your voice for things that, that you are passionate about or, you know, give a voice to people who don't have one to speak on things that that you know you feel strongly about or that that you're passionate about and I feel like for a lot of people you know the idea of like being an influencer or being a model or whatever is just like this this flashy thing where it just looks cool and it is nice but I think that something a lot of influencers miss out on is using that influence to you know create change or speak on things that that need to be spoken about spoken about and I think that a couple years ago or when I was younger I probably would have thought the same thing but the more that I've gotten into it and the older that I've gotten I think that something that I want to do that I can absolutely do more of and continue working on is just you know kind of posting with a purpose and being passionate about things that are important and sharing that with with my following in any way that I can. And we talk a lot about community on this podcast, the importance of community and building a good good environment around you. So I was just wondering, who do you look up to in 
your creative space? Um, I think that there are a lot of black women in, in journalism that, that I look up to. I mean, there's, I was literally just writing a paper about this. Um, last night, there is the, the new editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar. She's black, and she is actually the first, you know, black woman to ever hold that position. So I think it's, it's people like that who are kind of the first in the industry to do a lot of things that, that really inspire me and make me feel like, okay, I can do this because, you know, as black women, they are a part of the community that I'm a part of. So any, like, black woman that's doing something monumental or fresh and, and new, like what Rihanna's done with, like, Fenty Beauty and Savage Fenty and all of that, um, you know, is inspiring. And, you know, we are all, like I said, strong black women in the same community so it's nice to feel a sense or to feel the sense that okay like if they're doing this then I can do this and I can push other black women to want to do that too first of all Rihanna is an icon I need her I need her to host like a master class on just how she was able to do all this she's literally created like an empire like an empire we've never seen anything like what she's doing before she's and that's crazy. just so inspiring I honestly just look at her and just you're crazy. I don't know how she I'm does it. I'm always in awe. I don't know. She has so much on her plate. Like, I don't even know, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to do that. I love the saying that Isoa says, like, I'm rooting for everyone black. Because I really am just rooting for everyone black, especially women. Especially women. I'm just rooting for every black woman out there. Um, but our last question, which is crazy. Um, if you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? Ah. <sighs> Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of something that's like not cliche or like cringe to say. I honestly think... Cliche is good. (laughs) See, the thing with the cliche is that cliche is cliche because it's it's known, it's popular. Because people think like that. So if it's cliche, that's okay. Okay, okay. Um, I think that something that I would tell myself that I wouldn't have been aware of when I was younger is just the fact that there's going to be... like the world of social media is going to provide so many opportunities and so many doors um, to things that you thought that you could never do, that you shouldn't stress, and and that anything that you want to do, no matter how crazy it is or out of reach, that it seems, you know, just like being a little girl in the Bahamas, like anything that you think that you couldn't do, there's going to be an opportunity for you to do it. So don't hold back on anything that you want to do or any dreams that you might have because you're going to be able to do it like it's possible <laughs> that was good anything that was possible. a good way to end there you go <laughs> this was great okay good <laughs> i feel like <laughs> being in journalism i always ask the questions and i never really do the talking so when i have to talk i'm like Shit. oh okay <laughs> tell me about your experience what did you think no it was fun i like it for a change so thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us and our listeners, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.